May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Is it my imagination or are people becoming more selfish? Train journeys are a, a microcosm of living that at least raise the question. People talk loudly on their phone as if there were no one else on the train but themselves. Groups of loutish lads and screeching girls caring not a jot that the language they use might be offensive to other people talk about friends in an ugly and disparaging way for all the world to hear whether they want to or not. Or how about people who stand up at a concert and dance That would be rock concerts, not Beethoven. But they stand up and all the people behind them can't see the performers. All the people behind, that's me, can't see the performers. But they want to dance, so up they go and dance. Or noisy neighbours who don't care how much disturbance they create. Or neighbours who don't know each other's names and don't want to. Doors are shut. Isolation is the choice. I've got my life to live. With no time or space in it for you. And the idea that I should inconvenience myself for someone else. Make a sacrifice for someone else. Give up my precious time to serve in the community. No thanks, not for me, not today. The cult of Western individualism has many adherents. It seemed that back in the day... You either loved or loathed former Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher. It didn't seem to be a a kind of halfway house. I remember a shocked General Assembly of the Church of Scotland when Mrs Thatcher was about to be invited to address the commissioners. And a dear minister friend of mine rose to his feet, tilted his head to one side in that familiar way and objected to the idea of Mrs Thatcher addressing the Assembly and moved a motion that she should not be allowed to speak to the commissioners. This was the Prime Minister, the Iron Lady. It was at that moment that I saw the auditoire's Porrick Raymond's knighthood flying out of a window For he was that minister, his was the head that tilted in that familiar way. But with Mrs Thatcher, there were no grey areas. And among the controversial things she said was her claim that contrary to the spirit that lay behind the welfare state in Britain, such a a vital feature of the nation's life over many decades, contrary to that spirit was her conviction that there was no such thing as society. There was no such thing as society. And that to allow some notion of social responsibility to become a determining factor in how a country was run was to make a big mistake. It created a nanny state, a dependence mentality that was unhealthy and was blind to the truth that the real key to the future, to unlocking the future, was the individual. How to inspire, develop and celebrate the individual. She said, there are individual men and women and there are families and no government can do anything except through people and people look to themselves first. It is our duty to look after ourselves and then after our neighbour. 
And people have got the entitlements too much in mind without the obligations. And, and a little further on in the speech, she used the exact words, there is no society. There is no such thing as society. Where do we stand on that divide? The importance of community or the centrality of the individual? And how does living in Switzerland, with its particular culture, help us to work out a response to that question? Where does community begin and end? Where is it experienced and does it matter if it's experienced and expressed? What happens when there is only isolation and self-interest, however enlightened? What happens to us as people and the world in which we live if there is no such thing as society? No such thing as a social conscience? And are there gospel imperatives that might point our thinking in a particular direction? The Bishop of York, John Centenary, clearly thought there were such imperatives. In an unto-veiled reference to Margaret Thatcher, Dr. Sentinel said, there is such a thing as society, and we have our small part to play in, its, in making things better. We are interdependent beings living in community. People should stop moaning and start doing something positive, he said. The unhealthy me, me, me culture that grew up in the 1980s has threatened to poison our relationships and our sense of community ever since. We are living, he said, in a community, like it or not, and if we want that community to be healthy and vibrant, we have to contribute to it. The issue is unavoidable and not in the least abstract. Even from behind the walls of our comfortable life in Geneva, the sounds of pain reach our ears. The cry for help is inescapable and persistent. There is no comfort zone in our world of vivid pictures and first-hand accounts and stark contrasts. The response to Cain's sick question, am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? Is an unequivocal, yes you are, yes you are, and your brother's blood cries out from the earth. Build all the walls you like. Place as many restrictions in the way as you desire. The world and its need, the world community and its cry for help will not leave us alone. Time was no one ever, ever thought it would be an issue or should be an issue. Before mass urbanization, we all lived in neighborhoods of interdependence and trust. People kept an eye out for each other, each other's kids. Community didn't have to be created. It was just how it was. It takes a whole village to bring up a child. Neighbourhood Watch was not an organisation. It was just what happened, a way of life. No one needed to worry that they'd be found behind their door after a fortnight because no one had knocked at their door to see how they were. That wasn't how the world was back then. The drift to the cities changed that. And now neighbours might not know neighbours. And essentially, the definition of a good neighbour became someone who didn't make, up, make too much noise and took their turn at washing the stairs. And there was a time when solidarity across the nation was simply the way things were. 
when the pressures of wartime meant that there was no place for selfishness. We were all in this together. Common purpose bound people in a, a mutual sense of belonging and supportiveness, a common cause. We know too that there are compelling reasons for a sense of brotherhood and sisterhood to send old suspicions and divisions crashing in our time across international boundaries. We're all on the spaceship Earth. The world has become smaller. Our encounters with other cultures become everyday realities. So we share in Earth's vulnerability and fragility. None of us can contemplate the outcomes of a nuclear holocaust. We all of us need to hope and pray for steady hands on the tillers of power. All of us need a wise and serious response to climate change. None of us will be immune. None of us will be immune to its effects. And every day the media bring close to home the ideological crises, the political power struggles, the grave inequalities and the tired, weary faces of people who are suffering and have to live in a world of turmoil and danger and chaos. We all know about it. Maybe once upon a time we could be cocooned from all of that, safe behind our Western individualistic materialist ramparts, but no more. Our brother, our sister is knocking at the door, knocking at the door. And we can no longer say we didn't know. John Logie Baird made sure of that. When did we see you hungry? When, when did we see you homeless? When were you naked and we didn't clothe you? Don't give me your weasel words, they say. You saw me every day. You saw me every day. You know me. You've seen my face. And yet it remains hard to escape the dogma and the promotion of Western individualism. It's easy to see its corrosive influence. What happens when it's all about my personal goals and my needs and my wants? A perspective and an attitude that intrudes into everything. It undermines relationships when they're all about me instead of the other person. That's not good. It brings pain and disappointment and fracture. So the church, of all places, of all people, would be, should be, a focal point of the spirit of community. A people with an eye open and a heart wide for others. And here at the Auditoire, more than most, we have a rich international intercultural fellowship where equality and openness are part of our DNA, where the caring is at the core as it should be at the core. When time is given in service of others, and hospitality is offered in the welcome of others, and arms are outstretched to enfold and carry and embrace the hurting. Here, here we are in no doubt there is such a thing as society. A family of faith, as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Here we know that it's not all about me. The unifying spirit of Christ leaves us in no doubt. One table that we share, one cup that we take together, one loaf that we break together, one song that we sing together, one faith that we declare together. 
Everything about everything we do says, this is a community. This is who we are. But should we ever think that that's enough to shelter behind the walls of this community and close our eyes to the wider needs of the world, the society that we're part of, whose pain we must feel, whose aching hearts cry out to us, the gospel of our Lord Jesus leaves us in no doubt. We are our brother's keeper and our sisters too. The French priest Michel Coist has a wonderful prayer that gathers this up. It's called, Lord, why did you tell me to love? Lord, why did you tell me to love all men, my brothers? I have tried, but I come back to you frightened. Lord, I was so peaceful at home. I was so comfortably settled. It was well furnished. I felt cosy. I I was alone. I was at peace. Sheltered from the wind, the rain, the mud. I would have stayed unsullied in my ivory tower. But Lord, you have discovered a breach in my defences. You have forced me to open my door. Like a squall of rain in the face, the cry of men has awakened me. Like a gale of wind, a friendship has shaken me. As a ray of light slips in unnoticed, your grace has stirred me. And rashly enough, I left my door ajar. Now, Lord, I am lost. Outside, men were lying in wait for me. I did not know they were so near. In this house, in this street, in this office, my neighbour, my colleague, my friend. As soon as I started to open the door, I saw them with outstretched hands, burning eyes, longing hearts like beggars on church steps. The first ones came in, Lord. There was, after after all, some space in my heart. I welcomed them. I would have cared for them and fondled them, my own little flock, my little lambs. You would have been pleased, Lord. I would have served and honoured you in a proper, respectable way. Till then, it was sensible. But the next ones, Lord, the other men, I had not seen them. They were hidden behind the first ones. There were more of them. They were wretched. They overpowered me without warning. We had to crowd in. I had to find room for them. And now they have come from all over. In successive waves, pushing one another, jostling one another. They have come from all over town, from all parts of the country, from all over the world. Numberless, inexhaustible. They don't come alone any longer, but in groups, bonded together, bending under heavy loads. Bending under heavy loads of injustice, of resentment and hate, of suffering and sin. They drag the world behind them with everything rusted, twisted or badly adjusted. Lord, they hurt me. They are in the way. They are everywhere. They are too hungry. They are consuming me. I can't do anything anymore. As they come in, they push the door and the door opens wider. Lord, my door is wide open. It's too much. It's no kind of life. What about my job, my family, my peace, my liberty, and me? Lord, I've lost everything. I don't belong to myself any longer. There is no more room for me at home. Don't worry, God says. 
Don't worry, God says, you have gained all. You have gained all. While men came into you, I, your Father, I, your God, slipped in among them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Georgina is going to lead us into our prayer time as she sings.